It's 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, not counting Sundays because every Sunday is a little Easter. Um, and so we uh, don't count Sundays, but otherwise it's 40 days and it's this time of preparation when often we do things that increase our uh, sort of spiritual awareness. When maybe we lay aside some things that distract us. Some people fast from food or maybe from TV or media uh, of some sort. Um, there are other ways that we find to sort of make room in our life uh, for more attention to God. Then we also pick up practices, more spiritual practices that help us draw near to God. You'll see in your bulletin in the area just above the sermon, there is a little spot called Practicing Presence. You'll see that each week uh, during the season of Lent when we'll give you just a, a little bit of a short idea of maybe a spiritual practice to, to pick up if you're not already doing it. Um, in order, as you, as you think about the things, we often think about the things we want to give away, but these are things that you may want to pick up during the season of Lent so that at the end of Lent, we haven't just gone through the season of Lent and done some cool stuff. We've actually increased our ability to walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And those kind of habits will, will keep on with us even following the season of Lent. But I want to tell you a story this morning that I read. Um, it's a story about Abraham Lincoln. And it's in the days before he was the president, but after he was already a really successful attorney. And as the story goes, there was a man who came into Lincoln's office wanting to hire him to defend him. And, and so he told that to Abraham Lincoln, and Lincoln said, well, are you guilty of what you're accused of? And the man said, well, of course I'm guilty, but I want you to defend me of this. And Lincoln said, sir, if you are guilty, I'm not going to defend you. And, and the man said, no, you don't understand. I know you're a great attorney, so I'm going to pay you $1,000 to defend me in this case. And back in those days, $1,000 was a lot of money. And Lincoln said, no, I've told you I'm not going to defend you because I know that you're guilty. And the man said, no, no, I will pay you $2,000. I want you to defend me in this case. And Lincoln said, no, I will not do it. And finally, the man said, look, I've come all this distance because I have heard about your reputation as a great attorney. I want you to be my attorney. I will pay you $4,000 to defend me. And at that, Abraham Lincoln got his tall, lanky self out of the chair behind his desk, came around the desk and grabbed the man by the scruff of the neck and threw him out of his office. And as the man stood up and started dusting himself off, he asked Abe Lincoln, he said, why did you toss me out of your office now? Why now? Why didn't you do that when I said $2,000? Or why didn't you do it when I said $1,000? Why didn't you do it when I first told you that I was guilty of what I wanted you to defend me? And Abraham Lincoln said, sir, you are getting too close to my price. <laughs> the season of Lent always begins with this passage of Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, the devil wants to know, does Jesus have a price? The verses right before the verse that we read uh, this morning, you'll find that in chapter 3, and it's the verses about his baptism. Jesus had just gone down to the Jordan River. He had been baptized by John, and at his baptism, as he came up out of the waters, the Spirit of God descended like a dove. The heavens were opened, and you could hear God say, This is 
my beloved son. With him I am well pleased. And, and no doubt Jesus' hair was still even wet from the baptism as he got up in that very same spirit that had descended like a dove on him, led him out into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. And he was out there for 40 days and for 40 nights. Now, Jesus wasn't forced out into the wilderness. He wasn't driven out there. He followed the Spirit of God out into the wilderness. The 40 days and 40 nights that he went without food, um, he fasted for those days. And, and I fasted, the most I've fasted for has been 24 hours. And I have to tell you, that was really hard. It was really hard. It was hard to not think about food or how I felt, you know, what was going on in my body. I can only imagine fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, we're, we're, of course, meant to think of Moses up on Mount Sinai. He was up there, right, for 40 days and 40 nights on the, when he came down with the Ten Commandments. Um, the, the floods that came across before Noah, when Noah built the ark, it was a 40 days. Uh, the season of Lent, it's, it is no accident that it is 40 days to correspond with Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. Jesus was, t was out there alone with just the, the desert critters and the devil. We're told if you're in the recovering community that you are at particular risk, and the acronym is HALT, H-A-L-T, when you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you are most susceptible to temptation, and you need to guard yourself during those times. I think the other time that we are very susceptible to temptation is when we are coming down off of a very high spiritual high right? Has it ever happened to you? You've gone away and you've had this amazing spiritual experience, maybe at camp. Um, you come back, oh, and life is hard. You, you were so close to God and you felt God's presence and then, oh, things are just hard. And I, so I think we're prone to temptation both when we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and when we're coming off of a great spiritual experience. And friends, Jesus was both. He was coming from the waters of baptism, having heard God's own voice, calling him his beloved. And he's been alone in the wilderness and is hungry. And, and the question that the devil has for him is, do you have a price? And what is your ministry going to look like? Jesus had heard God say, you are my beloved son. But what does that mean? What does that mean lived out? And the tempter wants to know, can he be tempted to be something other than what God has called him to do? And so enter the devil and the temptations. And so the first temptation, it's, it's a temptation of pleasure, right? The temptation of pleasure. He says, the devil says, look, look at these stones right here. Don't they look a little bit like bread to you? Mmm. Doesn't that make you hungry? You know, you have the power to turn those stones into bread, what pleasure it will bring you, it will feed you. You are famished. And this is the same Jesus who later on down the road will take five little loaves of bread and a few fish and feed multitudes with them. But not today. Not for his own pleasure, 
not at this time. And so then the devil pulls out the temptation of prestige. He says, Jesus, let's look up here at the pinnacle of the temple. I want you to go up there. I want you to throw yourself off of there. What a jump start to your ministry that will be. We know that God won't let you be injured. He's not going to let you even dash your foot against a stone. You're going to be fine. Do it. But what prestige it will bring you. Everybody will know your name. It's a great way to start your ministry. And Jesus, this is the same Jesus who will one day walk on water. It's the same Jesus who will perform many miracles, but not today. Not now. And so then the devil has the third temptation, that of political power. Jesus, look, you, let me just show you the all the kingdoms of the world, they're mine to give. Well, now that's a lie, right? But the devil does that sometimes, right? So he's not known to be all that truthful. They're all mine. I'm going to give them to you. The only thing is, let me be your father, not that one you haven't heard from in 40 days, the one that you think you heard call your name, but let me be your father. Turn and worship me. Everything will be yours. Why should you have to bow to Caesar when Caesar should be bowing to you? Come, you can accomplish so much more if you are in power. This is the same Jesus that Scripture tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But not today. Not in this setting. All along, it's like the devil seems to be telling Jesus, you really deserve more than what you're getting right now. And that's the temptation. And does he have a price? We too will undergo temptations. Certainly we get the temptations of pleasure and prestige and power We're often tempted to maybe think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We're also sometimes tempted, the temptation comes in thinking lower of ourselves than we ought. And like Jesus, the question is really, what is your identity? Where do you draw your identity from? Jesus drew his identity as a beloved son of God and friends God has said the same over you at your baptism. You are my beloved child. You are my beloved child. And when we are tempted, we are tempted to draw away from where our identity lies to go after something else. It's at those times when we become insecure about our identity as God's beloved that we would do well to take a page out of Martin Luther's playbook. Back in the 1500s when Martin Luther was translating the Bible into German, the, the, the language of the common people so that they could read the Bible themselves, It is said that that he could be heard in his castle not only throwing ink pots against the wall and having some tantrums occasionally, but also walking around and yelling, I am baptized. Not, I was baptized. I am baptized. It is, friends, who we are that is where our identity is found. Jesus refused all the temptations by the devil in the wilderness. He relied on the Word of God in Scripture. 
He relied on who he knew himself to be in his baptism, the beloved Son of God. And he refused the quick way, the pleasurable, the prestigious, the powerful way, and chose instead the way of the humble servant, of a teacher, of a Messiah. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, we read, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the Jesus that we want to follow. The Son of God who refused to set aside his humanity and lord himself over others. The one who embraced his weakness even when he was famished, even when he was taunted by the devil himself. This same Jesus who would later on in the story take the towel away from his, his waist and kneel down and wash his disciples' feet, though they didn't know what he was doing at the time. It's the very same one who in the Garden of Gethsemane would pray the prayer, not my will, but your will be done. It's the very same Jesus who would die on a cross on our behalf for the sins of the world. And it's the very same Jesus who three days later would raise from the dead to live forevermore and lead the way for us for eternal life as well. This story, it's about Jesus' identity, but as we follow him, friends, it's also a story about our identity because there are plenty of times that we are tempted by pleasure and prestige and power. We're tempted to believe that we deserve somehow bigger and better than what we have. That devilish voice in our head says things like, if you are a child of God, shouldn't things be going a little more smoothly for you? <laughs> If you are really a Christian, I mean, really, shouldn't you be happier and healthier and richer and safer? There are those who preach a gospel that goes something like this, and I put gospel in little air quotes there, that says if you are simply faithful enough, if you believe it enough, you will always get that promotion you will have that perfect health checkup. And if you love Jesus enough and just believe that your life will be full of whatever it is that your heart desires, that God wants you to be happy and stands ready to grant you all the things that you think you want or need. Friends, I don't know whose gospel that is, that is not Jesus' gospel. Good Christians, Bible-believing, God-serving, 
Holy Spirit-filled Christians can be poor, do get sick, are victims of violent crime, can be abused, then where does that other gospel leave you? Following Jesus leads us away from the trappings of religion that just are designed to sort of make us feel a little bit better about ourselves and calls us to a true relationship with the God who calls us his beloved, with the Jesus who was tempted just as we are and who can identify with us in our own temptations and who calls us to the place of loving God and neighbor above all else and to a place of service. Jesus' temptations are also our temptations. And Jesus shows us that his way, it's the way of the cross. It's the losing of our lives, the laying aside of our lives in service and in love of the God who promises not to load us up with all the things that the world says is necessary, but to give us what the world cannot give us. Peace that passes understanding. Love that reaches to our deepest need. Forgiveness for all that is past and a chance to start afresh, strength for endurance, and friends, life everlasting. That is a Savior worth following. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, help us during this season of Lent to lay aside those things that tempt us into a life other than that which you've called us and follow our Lord Jesus boldly through this season. Yes, to the cross, but God, we know it's beyond the cross. Help us to trust in your words over each of our lives that, that we are your beloved children with whom you are well pleased. In Christ's name, amen.